Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now, here are three guys who put the fine in fine woodworking. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it is show number 535. And on today's show, we're talking about what is straight, the ugly truth about content creation, and hardwood versus solid wood. But before we get to that, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. <laughs> Rockler has. What do you, you like that? Uh, plywood versus solid wood. <laughs> what did I read? I, I read what you wrote. I wrote it wrong. <laughs> Hardwood versus solid wood. And I'm the nice. idiot who just reads whatever's there. I know. That's the best part. <laughs> Way to go, Burgundy. Nice job. Uh, stay classy. All right. Well, before we get to that, I want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Hardwood versus Solid Wood. Uh, Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before October 31st at rockler.com slash woodtalk. And if you want to help support the show, maybe get us some writing and reading lessons, you can go to <laughs> by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of the show. This week, we've got what, like seven people to thank. Mm-hmm. Just making this more difficult for me. Yep. Uh, Peyton Silas, Jason Stromberg, Willie from Freeville, Mark Lodendorf. Lo- I don't know. Something Dorf, Ethan Weiss, maybe. I don't know. We're, we're past it. I'm past it now. You already went past it. So Jonathan Jeffries slow. and Cliff Mason. Thank you, wow. all of you. What a nice bunch of people helping us out. Always appreciate it. Very attractive people. Yeah, they're beautiful. <laughs> yes. Look at them. Look at their avatars. One is a little kitty cat. The other looks like a, a kitty cat. <laughs> Are they all cats? <laughs> What is it? <laughs> the, the, the default all, is like different yeah, color the, cats. The default. Right. It's all little cats. All right. You guys are beautiful little kitties. All right. Well, uh, let's get to what's on the bench. Haven't done one of those in a while. Uh, well, I got some shop progress going on. We're almost done with all the, 
the stupid back rooms of this place, uh, which I'm actually in one of them right now. And I'll tell you, the smell bathroom? is significant. <laughs> well, no, the bathroom's right over there. If I go pee during the show, you're going to hear it. Uh, it's significantly better smelling back here, so I, I appreciate that. That's always um, nice. Yeah. And I also started to get uh, the second round of like electrical work done here. So I needed some power drops, uh, some outlets and circuits run so that I can actually plug in these tools of mine. And I got some of those done. They're coming back uh, first thing this week uh, to finish those off. Got two uh, ceiling fan um, junction boxes put into the ceiling. Uh, air movement in this space is, is definitely a problem. There's days where it's actually really nice, but because the air is not moving around, <laughs> it's yeah. really uncomfortable. So um, some ceiling fans will be really nice in that space. And uh, the other thing I was able to do was actually replenish my wood supply to some extent. So I got some walnuts, some cherries, some uh, hickory, some uh, just some beautiful, beautiful stock. Um, do you guys follow uh, Tim at Retired with Wood? Hell yeah, I do. I do okay. now. All right. <laughs> yeah, you should. This guy's this guy's operation is like it's another it's it's on another level, and he's doing some cool stuff with uh, conditioning the wood post kiln drying to just kind of help stabilize it. And some of this material that I have, I'm, I'm taking a real close look at because there's there maybe a small chance that we might consider selling some of the stuff out, out of this location because I've got a little bit of extra room. So why it's, the heck it's not? It's not like he doesn't have enough stock to supply you. His stock, he sent me some <laughs> pictures of his log supply uh-huh. and I'm like, oh yep. my God. I mean, it's it's gorgeous even in its current state and it's not lumbered yet. Uh, he's got some stuff. So I'm excited about it and I'm, I'm really excited about more stable boards because <laughs> that's always a treat. Uh, I, I thought you were so, more yeah. excited about, you know, maybe possibly getting back into making things out of wood. Nah, that's yeah. overrated. <laughs> I prefer this lifestyle you vlog. more like bathroom and kitchen remodels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I love laminate flooring, I think. I think, uh, I think I do. You think I do. Um, and the other thing that I did, which was, we've uh, talked about Rockler's pack rack. It was actually, I think it was one of the topics of a, a ad in the past. And I never got my hands on one, but I remember looking at it going like, that looks like something I would really want if I had more space. Uh, my last shop, having the clamps on the wall was just way more efficient um, because I didn't have a whole lot of floor space to having a roll around kind of mm-hmm. clamp cart situation. Uh, well, this was this has changed here. And now I'm in a situation where I'm doing assembly in one room and then milling and woodwork in another room. But you still have clamp needs in both spaces. There's there's times during a build or there's a quick assembly you're doing or something where you need a clamp uh, to hold a jig together or whatever. Um, you need clamps around. And I'm like, you know what? I still want clamps on the wall, especially like the final assembly cabinet uh, clamps and parallel clamps, stuff like that. But I still think there's a need to have a clamp solution that can actually go between the two spaces. Uh, so the pack rack was like the perfect thing for this. So I got one and my goodness, the, like, you know, how sometimes you go for like a store branded thing and you kind of expect like, yeah, it might be clever, but it's probably not going to be well made um, just because it's the store's brand, right? Not at Rockler. Not at Rockler. This stuff is heavy duty. The, the, uh, the ironic thing is this is not actually in hand. This is just me talking about it. Um, but they are a sponsor. So, you know, you do what you got to do, guys. No, seriously, this stuff is like the the double powder coated. It's incredibly heavy. Um, the boards or the uh, boxes came in and Jason was complaining because the boxes were so heavy. 
Uh, but I put this thing together and it, it's, it's like weighed down with clamps, but I still feel like it would totally take me on it, like whizzing around the shop if I wanted to. Um, well, it, it isn't is that part of it. Isn't there like a seat on there so you can take it for a ride and they have shelves around on it. They have there shelves. It, it probably would work. Uh, so I got the bottom shelf. I got the top shelf. I got the side. Uh, uh, what do you call it for the holes? The little holes. You know what I'm talking about? Pegboard. pegboard. Uh, side pegboard oh. stuff. I had no idea where you're going with that one. <laughs> Neither did I. My brain's not. Little, it, look, it's holes. early. Yes. It's early <laughs> on a Sunday. The speed <laughs> can't holes. Expect yes. much. Speed holes. Yeah, yeah, speed you're... holes. <laughs> it's aerodynamic now. Uh, but anyway, yeah, this thing is a fantastic option if you're looking for some kind of a roll around solution for holding just about any clamp you could uh, you could imagine getting on this thing. So a uh, real nice development, nice shop improvement. And I can't wait to actually have something to use those clamps on. Uh, and that, that'll be coming soon. <laughs> so that is it for me. I just want to squish stuff. That's all I want to do. That's all I want to do. Just want to squeeze it all. Give it to me. All right, Matt. I think you're up. Um, what am I doing? Oh, I'm putting up, putting up a, a building barn thing. That's what I've been doing the last few weeks. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I think I going fast. That. It's, it's going fast, which is nice. I do like the idea of doing a project that goes quickly, mm-hmm. which feels good. I think we have, I think we'll probably be done in two weeks, at least with our chunk of the work, actually erecting yeah. the building. Wow. Which is, which is awesome because we started, we're two weeks in, so it's four week build. Basically. Well, wasn't, so hold on, give me the timeline on this. Wasn't this like a late stage sort of idea in the first place? The inception of the idea. Has yeah, this, I, was I, this uh, always? I sprung this on Donovan like the last week of June. Okay. All right. So this is so a hey, really quick turnaround. How do you feel about putting up a building? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, because it's not so much the the speed of like the erecting of the building that I'm impressed with. I'm most impressed with. I thought you just came up with this idea. (laughs) I did. It's already happening now. So, man, that's great. Yeah, we uh we finalized everything at the last week of July. So we had like a month of like looking at stuff and figuring what the heck we're going to do, making a final decision, and then ordering stuff the last week of July. And then we actually. Because we figured it'd take longer for stuff to get here, mm-hmm. but they wanted to deliver like the middle of August. And we're like, yeah, that's way too soon. No so we actually, had to, we actually had to push the deliveries out into, into September when we actually had time to actually build it. Because mm-hmm. you don't really want the stuff like sitting around in a field for a month. Right. Like a big giant stack of lumber. Probably not going to age too well mm-hmm. in a field all bundled together. So yeah, we had to push the delivery out. And then it's been going really fast and smoothly. So that's. Really nice. I like that part. Nice. So I'm curious, is the house done? No. That's what I thought. So no, no. You you I mean, essentially I was I was definitely emotionally done with it. <laughs> All right, fair <laughs> enough. I'm over it. Fair <laughs> enough. I get I get the reason I want to break, but it's like you essentially pulled Donovan off the house to build, or is Donovan's part of the house done? His part is done, yeah. Oh, so he okay. he was uh, gonna take us okay. through drywall, which he did. And then we had this building project coming up too. So I'm like, well, I need this building. So for anyone who doesn't quite know what's going on, I have my warehouse space in the city that I was losing the uh, the lease on. They weren't renewing me. And I kind of ran out of time, like looking for a new rental or a new commercial property to buy. And it was kind of like, well, either you stop having these businesses, having a place to operate that you've invested 
a substantial amount of money in and a substantial amount of time in, or we got a field that we can throw some money at and put a building up and then these businesses can continue to operate. So that's, this is kind of like a side project of my life. You're like, <laughs> okay, I was going to finish making it or start making a kitchen, but uh, now's a good time to do this real quick, get this done. Well, that's deal with this problem. Kind of where I'm going back to the house again. With that is, is I just I would kind of love to be the fly on the wall when you had that conversation with Lindsay. So yeah, I know you I thinking you, the same thing. Did <laughs> that go over well? Well, here's the thing. So like the lot. So they, I got notice in February that I wasn't going to be renewed. So I started looking for you know leases or um, properties to buy. And as time went on and on and on, I got more and more stressed about it. And then like around I think in May. I like had like a mental breakdown and Lindsay's like, okay, fine, I'll, I will help you. You need to tell me, first of all, you need to actually tell me that you need help. I'm like, yes, I'm very bad at that, but thank you for, you know, not <laughs> hating me too much for this. Yeah. So then she started into looking for places too. So she got to the point with her search and her effort where she was cold calling random buildings oh my God. around the area. Can I, can I have that? <laughs> and asking if they were interested in selling their building. Yeah. Or if it was a business that seemed like it was doing something in the building, do you have any space you would like to sublease yeah. or just lease or whatever? And after about a month of her cold calling places, after, oh, so it was a little bit of, it was a joint effort because I would go drive around to like industrial zones and like look for buildings that look like they'd be something and like write the address down and then she'd go find the owner and call them. Yeah. Wow. I'm like, okay, first of all, I would never do that because I'm like not calling people <laughs> for one. Uh, and two, it sucks because like there's and the, or the, like the worst part too is like the places that like, oh, we have space available. They have like a sign out front, like space available or whatever. And mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, we just leave that up all the time. We don't really have any space right now. Nice. Like, oh, lovely. What the hell? Come on, guys. Come on. Wow. Jeez. So the seller's market extends into commercial real estate too <laughs> apparently jeez and then eventually we kind of ran out of time with that because like we got to the end of june we're like i can't i can't find anything and like the other option in the back of our heads was like we're gonna have to build something here mm -hmm. which is like our lease is our option but at that point we're like well it's either we're down to two options either we build this building or we shut these businesses or put them on hold so plan, this is uh this is plan b but really by far the better. Oh yes, result. Like well, for now, the way I, to go for where these for where the businesses are at right now, where it's just me doing the majority of the work. Yeah, it makes sense for it to be here. But as they grow and as they like add employees and have like more traffic, foot traffic deliveries and customers mm -hmm. coming through, like they yeah. will need to move off the property. So mm -hmm. basically, so what I are you going to do time. with that building? What are you going to do with the this giant building then? When you do that, it's a so it's all going to be a flex space. It's awesome. We are. Well, there's that too, but we have the, <laughs> the barn right now, which we want to turn into a uh, guest house. Uh, and so we have all the storage space that we have in the barn now for like the lawn stuff and random mm -hmm. house stuff that is going to be displaced. So we're like, well, we're, we were going to need some other like storage building on the property at some point anyway. So like we would have put some kind of building up. It wouldn't have been as big. Yeah. But we would have done it anyway. So basically we're going to use this until... It's not really, we don't need it anymore. And then it becomes something for the, the personal side of things to occupy. You're going to start your okay. Airbnb empire. Oh, maybe oh, Lindsay can retire and do that. That can be something for her. That sounds terrible. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I, I'm just upset that you went through a mental breakdown and we had no idea on this show. We should have oh, been talking about it. There's it been many mental you. breakdowns in my life. Could have helped you through it. <laughs> or made it worse. One or the other. I was going to say. I'm <laughs> pretty good at that too. Yeah, From one friend to another, Matt, don't trust us with your mental health. <laughs> I say that as a friend. Run away. <laughs> Although the tactic you used is one that I've relied on many times. And, and that is. Lean on the life. Yeah, well, no, yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. But but a very there's a special way to do it. And if you're the one who's special usually way. Yeah, if you're the one who's usually like you number one, you don't ask for help, you're self-motivated, you don't need your like a wife to tell you, hey, you're supposed to do this. Like you know what to do. Get off to, the couch, to make things go. Bum. But you get to a point where you actually like say, I'm I'm I need help here. I'm I'm really at my end. Uh I need help. You do that and suddenly your wife just snaps into action like to help you. It, uh, it, it's something I've done with Nicole many times and she's always there. She's always got my back. You would, you would think we would learn to ask for help sooner based yeah. on that result. Right. <laughs> well, and I think they get used to you being completely stable and you love working like a maniac. So I'm just going to let you do your thing. Uh, but we also don't, we're not very good at recognizing the signs until it's too late that, that we're actually, uh, in distress over the situation. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. All right, Shannon. Okay. What do you got going on? I actually had a, a woodworking first. Um, like we're, we talk about woodworking from time to time on this show. Mm, um, sometimes I built Many, many, many drawers, many cases that hold drawers, but I've never built side hung drawers. And I don't know why. Uh, I guess it's just never, it's never come up. Because um, they're unnecessary. I guess. Damn. Except when. There you go. There's, yeah. a, there's a hot take. <laughs> Whoa. Well. <laughs> Sounds like a YouTube video to me. <laughs> I, was, I was in a situation where I needed to have uh, like storage under a shelf. And I just thought, well, shoot, let's just throw some sliding dovetails on the side and put runners on it and hang a drawer underneath. And it just, I don't know, it's kind of fun. I, hmm. I honestly, it makes fitting a drawer so easy because it's, it's open, you know, on the bottom. Um, so there's, yeah. It, it's, yeah, I quite enjoyed the process. It was fun. And it was one of those situations where um, hobbies started to kind of interfere or intertwine where I'm, I'm building, well, restoring uh, a bike in my laundry room right next to my shop, which is becoming like a bike workshop. And, you know, you look around like, man, I wish I had a shelf here or I wish I had a shelf there. And you're like, wait a minute in the other room, I can make a drawer. I can make a shelf. Go figure. I actually, at one point I was like looking around uh, on the internet for like storage options. And I'm like looking at these things like container store. It's like, wait a minute, I can build that. So, yeah, I know a guy. It was a nice, nice convergence of skills to be able to go and, and side hung side hang a drawer. That was really cool. Um, and then uh, just did a demo on scarf joints. Speaking of Matt and Barnes. And uh, <laughs> well, mm. I don't know that you're using a lot of scarf joints in your um, frame construction. No, this is but you know, uh, lap joints and those spiky metal hanger plates. Do you know that those spiky metal hanger plates were actually what was the primary cause of the construction issue during COVID? L- faster yes, plates. I think like someone that told me that. And, yeah. and other little pieces. Really? It wasn't so much that the lumber wasn't there, although lumber shortage was certainly an issue, but it was more that like they couldn't join them together because there's only like one manufacturer in the world of those things. You talk about a niche product. It's like, why bother? 
you know, having competition when there's only one guy already making it. And like those people couldn't get the raw materials they needed to make those plates. So isn't that all like Simpson strong tie stuff? I guess. Isn't that the brand that does that? I don't know if they make the plates, the, the uh, connector plates. They're okay. mostly like hangers and metal brackets and stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. But not that I know anything about the metal faster industry. <laughs> it was just one of I those, know somebody who works for them. One That's of those articles I, know I read. About it. Never, never quite researched it to find out the true validity of it. But it, it holds true because I see, well, well, I just said I was building a bike. Like I, I'm not waiting on like components. Like I was able to get like rear derailers and things like that. It's the bolts. Like the little bolts that tie the brake caliper to the front fork. I waited. I actually just got them yesterday. I think I waited four weeks to get the bolts. Um, I've just had brake calipers ready to install and uh, a chain. It's taken me forever. Like my local bike shops don't have a 12, 12 speed chain. So I've had to order one online and wait on that forever. It's the little things that uh, aren't showing up. So anyway. So it's, it's not the uh, wood guys, it's the metal guys exactly. screwing everything exactly. up. Exactly. So if you're waiting on metal fasteners, look into scarf joints. They're a lot of fun. I, I had a, <laughs> did a whole demo on it. I'm bringing wait, it, wait back to bring it back around. Yeah. Bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> but nicely I, done. I don't know. I think it's one of those things where like to integrate a scarf joint and we're talking like, you know, integrated wedges and laps and hooks and all kinds of, you know, the, you would think of them as Japanese style joiner. They're quite intricate. I have, feel like I want to integrate one into a furniture piece. It would be completely impractical, um, completely useless, yeah. you know, because the reason you make a scarf joint is essentially to stretch a board, you know, make a board longer. It's like I have got plenty of plenty of boards, plenty long enough for the average furniture piece, but I'm just going to throw a scarf joint in the middle of this three foot long piece just for the heck of the only reason I've, Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. You get small pieces. That's the I think the only time I've used it is a problem solver. Yeah. Like I need to extend this piece for something and uh, I need to make it not look obvious. So I'm going to do a scarf joint. The only time I've ever done it was like molding scarf joints, like, you know, baseboard molding or something like that, putting a scarf joint in there, right. not a, not an actual structural joint. So it was, it's interesting. Cool. So new right. woodworking first for me this week. Yay. Look at you <laughs> growing, blossoming, becoming a <laughs> woodworking great. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got some kickback. Shannon, you want to grab that first one? No. Oh, all right. All right. Matt, um, you want to grab that first one? <laughs> this is <laughs> nah. I got a spare. <laughs> I got a spare if you're not willing. <laughs> this is this is from um Buddy McLaren, actually. Margaret's uh Margaret's uh better half. Or I don't know. Yes. Maybe the worst half. I don't know. We usually refer to the wife as the better half, but we, anyway. Um <laughs> Buddy says, I have some kickback for, for Justin who asked about building a workbench or buying better tools first. While I understand the logic of waiting until you know what you need and building a bench to suit those needs, I would disagree based on my experience. If you don't have a suitable workbench, hand tool woodworking is much less enjoyable and less successful. My first bench was flimsy, non-level 2x6 construction bolted to the wall of my garage built by the previous homeowner. He was nearly a foot taller than me and not a woodworker. When I was building my Rubo, the bench top was bowing as I planed across the boards. It was harder to plane the boards because the bench was too tall for me. It was mentioned later in the discussion that Rubo and Nicholson benches are something of a blank slate. My recommendation would be, would be to build a reliable bench as a place to start your woodworking journey. Not quite the same as buy once, cry once logic, but of buying the best tool first. But building a quality bench following a tried and true design will make your woodworking easier to enjoy. Then as you continue your journey, you can either modify the one you built, 
or build a new one to better suit your needs. Thanks for everything, especially not knitting. I get enough of that at home. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> Margaret, put the needles down, lady. <laughs> there we go. Thanks, buddy. Good stuff. Well, good point of view. Yeah, thanks, buddy. If you, uh, if your name is Buddy, do you just have a more positive outlook on <laughs> things? You're like, you're like everybody's buddy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Buddy like, the elf. Like Buddy color? the elf. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, you just strike me as being a, a like constantly positive person. I don't know. Just something that went through my head that I probably shouldn't have said. All right. <laughs> so we got the week. Okay. You guys remember last week I went no, off on my no. dad rant. <laughs> no. I yeah. barely remember yesterday. Yeah, we kind of blocked it out, pretended it didn't happen. Um, I played that for Nicole, and she just g- kind of gave me the look. Like, there's a look that says that might be a little too far, Mark. <laughs> it, it was one of those looks. You go too far? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. It's the, like, are you sure that's the way you want to handle that kind of look? And, uh, <clears throat> well, too late, because I was playing it from a podcast uh, catcher, so it was out there. <laughs> it was already published. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the guy that wrote in uh, with that criticism of our content on the show, his name was Scott. And Scott wrote back. I'm not going to read the full email um, because there's quite a bit to it, Uh, but I I think this is important. I'm not reading this to continue down that same logic that we had in the last show and and what I ranted about. I actually think Scott uncovers an important thing here regarding content creation that will lead us into a larger uh, discussion about it. So anyway, he says, uh, guys, I'm sorry for my last message. Thanks for not quitting. I did a little reflection and I think the issue is rather is me rather than you. First, I am intimidated by what you guys have achieved. I'm trying to launch my own business, and I look at uh, the Wood Whisperer or the Hand Tool School and find that to be a Mount Everest. I actually appreciate your insights into social media and the like, but I have neither Mark's charisma nor Shannon's expertise. I hope that good woodworking and a solid social media game can still be profitable. I just can't see myself being paid for content. And I, I think what's interesting is if you look at the three of us, I would say we probably in a similar vein, uh, we love the craft. We love what we do. We love building the social media and the promotion and the marketing side of things is kind of the necessary evil component to that. And we can talk a little bit more about that. But when I read this kind of a message and add to it two other questions, I did not really an AMA. That's like a Reddit thing but kind of an AMA on my own uh, YouTube channel in a community section. I just said, Hey, you guys got a question for me? Ask it. I had two questions that kind of feel like they're coming from the same place as Scott here. One guy says, what is your advice to creators that don't have an oversized shop full of oversized, I'm sorry, overpriced tools. (laughs) So what's your advice to people who want to make content that don't have oversized shops and overpriced tools? Uh, And then another question, I'm starting to feel that the only way to afford to build the style of woodworking I'd like to build would be to start creating content. What do you find to be the biggest challenge while balancing creating social media content and creating fine furniture, which takes more of your time? So it's it, I, I'm getting this sensation that people feel like the social media component and the content creation component is essential, that it's necessary. And I think there might be a bit of a disservice when people are only getting their woodworking information from resources like us that they assume that this is how the rest of the world works. When in fact, there are plenty of people who are running successful businesses, doing great work and who just aren't on YouTube yelling at people about it. <laughs> like it, what? it is possible. 
<laughs> to run a successful business and not go, look at me, you know, like it, it, you can do that. It's okay. So I don't know. Did this uh, spark anything in you guys in terms of <laughs> the perspective? <laughs> that, that just sums up social media entirely. Look at me. <laughs> look at me. You're not looking at me enough. Please look at me more. I got, I'm telling you, uh, I, that I, I have this moment of crisis with Nicole. Speaking of those, like, I need help moments with your wife. Uh, where, where I just go, I love what I do and I hate what I do. <laughs> there are aspects of this that the gaming of the system, the trying to be the clever marketer to do things that just, uh, tap into people's monkey brains. It's a manipulation. It's a manipulation of people's reactions to things that goes along with, it's not just creating a nice project and filming it and then making a nice video. It's how do we frame that to be emotional, to spark uh, that, that, that click that we're all after, you know, and that's the part of the game that I despise. If I could erase any part of this job, that would be it. So this is, this is what I'm, why I referred to this in the, the beginning as like the ugly truth behind some of this content creation is it may appear that we all love this, but if you actually get deep down into it, a lot of us do not love it. <laughs> it's just <laughs> necessary to do what we do. So I've talked enough about this. What do you, what do you guys think? Well, as a guy who's in a 13 by 20 single car garage shop, um, no, you don't need a big shop. <laughs> you definitely don't need a big shop. In fact, I've said on a number of times, I don't really know what I would do with more space. I mean, certainly, yeah, it'd be nice to have a little bit more breathing room in there. Um, if my shop starts to get dirty, I don't have any place to walk. Like it's really dirty right now. Yeah. And it's like, you know, crunch, crunch, crunch as I'm walking over shavings and things. And there's just, there's no, there's no place to expand into it all. But I've spent a lot of time optimizing it to the point where I, I don't really need that much more space. I also mm -hmm. think uh, the whole expensive tool thing, I, I feel like that's been kind of beat to death. In fact, there's a whole movement of like minimalist and do things with as few tools as possible to the point where that's gone so strong that I feel like it's starting to come back around now. Like the minimalist thing is dying off. We saw it go crazy and there were people like, I'm going to build this with just a chisel, you know, or isn't a Vic Tesselin's book. Yeah. Or he's got a couple books minimalist about woodworker, the minimalist yeah. woodworker. And that's yeah. in, in the, the, the naked workbench that Mike Seamson did that whole idea kind of went, especially in the hand tool world went kind of crazy and I remember I had people contacting me left and right, like, you know, I'm trying to cut back on my tools and trying to figure out what to sell. And I'm like, dude, like, don't sell it. Like, if, if you're struggling <laughs> trying to figure out if you what to sell, then don't sell it unless you like need to pay the mortgage or you got to pay the health insurance bill or something like that. You know, um, right. so now it's going started to go the other direction. And he's absolutely right. Like forgetting about the 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 extremes. Um, you know, guys building giant barns in their backyard um, or, or or the April Wilkerson effect where she just launches a new business every week with like a full blown commercial space behind it. You know, yeah, the, there is that side of things, but then look closer. Um, and I'm a good friend of James Wright, the Wood by Wright channel, but man, he's got a lot of tools. Mm -hmm. um, but that's also part of his thing. Like he enjoys you know, going to swap meets and, and auctions and, and restoring old tools and things. You look at a guy like um, uh, Stumpy, like he's got his like background set there with a thousand and one molding planes, which uh, I'm sad to say they probably Do don't. Do they ever move? They don't get used. <laughs> <laughs> they don't, yeah, I don't think they get used much. 
Maybe they're actually, I think what they are, it's just a photograph of the tools. Yeah. Cause you can't tell, but I do a big picture. I can, I can empathize with what he's saying. Like, you know, you need all these tools, but if you remember people said the same thing about norm Abrams, like, well, yeah, yeah. oh yeah. In fact, that was the classic, right? You know, here's guys (laughs) who could build that if they had those tools too. You know, if they had those tools, that's where it came from. Yeah. I don't know. I just think, I think all of that is kind of silly, but not because I totally get what he's saying. Like he's being beat over the head with, you got to have all this stuff. And I just, I, yeah, I don't think it's the reality at all. Like I have a lot of tools and I have a lot of tools that don't get used very often because they're so specialized. You know, they, they, my sliding dovetail plane, it's a perfect example. I made sliding dovetails the last couple of weeks to make those side hung drawers. And I had to blow dust off the thing when it was time to get it out and use it. It doesn't get used that much, Mm -hmm. but it's in the background of the video. What do you think, Matt? I think, so I I think you guys kind of summed things up pretty well, but one thing I'll add is I think with a lot of the, the folks that you're watching, you're kind of, again, you're looking at someone that's been doing this for a very long amount of time. So they've had that time to accumulate those tools, regardless of the fact they're making content or not. So I think mm-hmm. that's just something else to consider. Like, I don't know, for me, for example, like I've had my woodworking shop now for like 15 years. So in, in 15 years, whether I was making content or not, I probably would have evolved the shop into what you see now anyway. Uh-huh. So it's not like I have all these things just because I started making content one day. I actually have a lot of the power tools I have in my shop, the big stationary tools I bought before I even started making content anyway. It's yeah. kind of was like, yeah. I think there's, there's definitely the, the folks like, I don't really want to hate on anybody, but like they just started making content yesterday and started woodworking yesterday. Right. And all of a sudden they have all these fancy things. That's a right. different reality than like some of the other people that are out there showing what they're doing, <laughs> having put in the time to build a shop. Uh, full circle. The long way. I can, I can remember people saying that about like you and I, Mark. <laughs> Uh-huh. 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. We were the target of that kind of criticism. <laughs> we were sure. the other side of that conversation. <laughs> and now, <laughs> now fun. we've, we've quote unquote earned it oh, good <laughs> because we've been here longer. I've earned crap. <laughs> put in time. <laughs> we put in the time. Well, speaking of that time, that's part of what Scott's issue is and where I guess, again, my head's in a different space than a lot of people with this stuff and why it bugs me that he's trying to start his own business, but he's looking at the Wood Whisperer, the Guild, the Hantle School and seeing that as a Mount Everest. Well, is he trying to create an online school for woodworkers? Right. Like, why, why is that what he's thinking about starting? Like, why is, I don't, he doesn't actually say what the business is that he wants to start. I, I think that he just uh, sees that as like a, look what you guys are able to accomplish. Appreciating the fact that you're able to build a business to that scale, regardless okay. of what kind of business it is. Well, and the other that you're thing. successful business people. The, that's gotcha. a scary that's road. That's how, I, that's how I read it, at least. Yeah, I, I agree. He's, but and that's the thing is like the successful actual furniture makers, you don't really find them on social media because a they don't have time. Um, yeah, or if you busy. do, if you do, it's because they're trying to launch like classes or bring in people to teach, you know, or are looking to maybe supplement the income or something like that. Um, you know. Uh, Rest in peace. Nancy Hiller just passed. Nancy, I think, is a great example of a very successful crafts person, craftswoman. I don't know what's politically mm-hmm. correct anymore. She's really good at what she did. Whatever you say, you're going to be wrong. Right. So. I know. I know. Nancy, Nancy <laughs> was really good at what she did. And if I remember right, like she was kind of coerced into writing the books 
and then discovered, <laughs> oh, you know, this is kind of fun. But it, it was kind of like a kicking and screaming thing. And I could be wrong on that. And I'm sure there are people who know better. But, you know, Nancy was one of those people that was like, no, I'm, I'm busy running a business. Like, I don't have time for that stuff. Um, and when you do, I, I follow a lot of these, these, um, I'll just call them makers, um, because I, I love their stuff for inspiration. But you, you look at their, like, their feed and it's like, here's a post. And here's another one. The, the previous one was like a month and a half ago, you know, and then you stick like there's like seven pictures in a row of this one piece they built and then they disappear for six months, you know, because they're, they're running their business. They're building stuff. Yeah, they're building something. <laughs> but I think the dangerous kind of reading between the lines here. And of course, I'm looking in the show notes and seeing additional comments later that lead me to this. But this idea that you need this social media thing in order to afford to buy tools or to get tools. That's mm -hmm. a really scary line of thought um, on, on a, it's erroneous on a bunch honestly. of levels because um, people may remember there was this like gold rush of content creation at one point and there were people like call it what you will shilling tools left and right and the corporations started to recognize influencer marketing in its early stages and we could just throw tools at any old person with you know 10 followers on on you know Instagram Actually, I don't even know if it was Instagram back then. Um, so now mm -hmm. suddenly everybody, and the worst part was, is you'd get a corporation that would send like 10 tools out to 10 people. And then suddenly like your feed is filled with the same tool being spoken about by 10 different people. Isotunes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, Let's take an X-carve. You know, X-carve. And, and, it, and it became this launch a social media channel and get free tools. And yeah. at the time... I think I'd been doing it long enough. I'm like, you know, yeah, that's nice, but I still got a mortgage to pay like free tools. I can't give tools to Wells Fargo bank. Sorry. They don't take that for my mortgage. <laughs> and surprisingly, when I go to Safeway to buy food, they don't take isotunes, you know, or woodpecker tools or anything like that. Can I pay you in earbuds? <laughs> Is that possible? But no, sir. But that, that was like a measure of success. Oh, this person's successful because they have people sending them free tools. Or even worse, the hobby wasn't to start a business. It was to do this to get free tools. Um, and oof, that's, a, that's a scary road to start down. Um, because I could actually see that coming around again. Like I talk about the minimalist thing dying off, running its path. I could actually see like some newer companies coming in and saying, okay, let's throw tools at these influencers. And uh, yeah, it would just repeat over and over again. And I, well, that never I view stopped. that as a very dark I mean, time in, in our industry, if you will. It's gotten better. It hasn't gone away, um, but I think it's gotten a little better. And I think, frankly, it's gotten better because the, the, quote, successful influencers have gotten more, what's the word I'm looking for, um, picky about what they take on. You know, um, I, I think the audience, I don't know maybe, that I agree that it's gotten any better though. That's, oh, that, really? I think it's still there. It's still alive and well. I think some people who've been more successful have now learned that you do need money. Um, so they're getting maybe f fewer <laughs> deals or only working with companies who can afford to yeah. pay for that privilege. But I still think there is just as much product flying out to people of, you know, when we took the whole workbench con, uh, experience kind of brought some new terminology in, into the fold for me personally, the sort of micro influencer mm -hmm. and, uh, is there a nano influencer? <laughs> I think we can keep going with that. 
<laughs> but like these companies, just depending on who they are, if they don't have the means to necessarily pay for a lot of these things, they may just wind up uh, doing the free tool thing, but going at a, at a, a lower level where these people, you might not, they might not even come across your radar, Shannon, because they're not at that higher tier. They're at a lower tier. And a lot of those people kind of just group together. What are you, what are you and saying? I just think I'm a snob. Uh, to, well, that goes without <laughs> saying. We don't need to say that. <laughs> but but I think I think these people, they're all still there and the companies are still throwing out product. It's just it's become a bigger thing where there's, you know, bigger deals being made, but all those smaller deals are still happening there. There's still opportunity for people. Yeah. Um, I've just gotten better but I think at just not the, seeing it. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. yeah. And, and because I think that we've these companies have never been making more money than they are right now by using influencer marketing and it's continuing to grow. Um, I think the the problem that I have with this whole situation is I feel like folks are thinking this is absolutely essential. And there's there's very few people asking us for information about how do they make a better, more successful woodworking business. They love woodworking. They love building things and they want to be able to sell those things. Uh, the whole content game is something that I think the three of us just kind of take with a grain of salt. We don't absolutely love it. Like there's interactions that I do enjoy and I love about it. But the fact that that's an actual, like absolutely essential component for, in order for me to pay my mortgage, I have to do these other things drives me crazy. I don't, I don't want to do those other things, but yeah. it's part of the job. It's, it's an Can almost guaranteed point that please do. Please, please do. Shannon, <laughs> go, go ahead, Shannon. <laughs> uh, I, I can almost guarantee that the videos of mine that perform well are not the ones that I enjoyed making. Like the ones that I'm really proud yeah. of, like the product I made, but also like the actual video. Cause I, I do think you have to enjoy like the editing and the, and the actual, like, I don't want to call it cinematography. That sounds really, <laughs> what I do is not cinematography, but you get it. Like the production side of things, you kind of have to enjoy that aspect. And when I produced something that I really liked the video, it never performs well. Like it's just yeah. the stuff I'm proud of is that, not the that, stuff that, that does well. <laughs> yeah, that's the game. And it's, it's, you have to look at yourself and go like, God, look at the thumbnail I just made. Am I real, ha like really happy with that or, or the title, right? God, There's hate, so I much hate making thumbnails, I thumbnails hate and titles. There's, it's so it, important. It works though. Like, Oh, here's actually a good one. Oh, it actually this is performs. the problem when Gosh. you do that and you, you have like a goofy title and uh, you know, I'm not talking clickbait. You're just taking an element of your video and turning it into an emotional title that oh brings people I, in. I put an emoji in one of my titles and oh, did better son of a bee i'm like what mm. the hell it's the ghost but, the ghost scream emoji yeah like, yeah, yeah and people actually but click the, on it more I'm like oh come on well and the thing is you get people who've been following you for a while and are like oh i can't believe you did that you know you're, you're crossing over into that line and it's like <laughs> i just wish you could understand how important this is for uh for a channel success to do this stupid stuff it isn't like we love it it's just what you have to do if you want your video to do well I, uh, so the crazy ugh. thing is, is it's transferred over into like the, the traditional SEO world, like in the B2B yeah. SEO world. I actually did some experiments on the McIlvain website over the last couple of months of using emojis and title tags and damn it, if it oh. didn't work, like massive uptick yeah, in, in impressions and click throughs, wow. like that doesn't surprise me on a business website, using the little like flying stack of dollar bills type thing for a product, uh, yep. a post about yep. lumber prices. Yep. Killed. Like you look at That's the graph great. and you're like, well, what changed? Oh my God. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Emojis on a B2B website. They work. 
There you go. That's why. There's my Matt, SEO did you get a secret. chance to say what you were going to say before? <laughs> Sorry, Matt. No, no, I didn't, but it's fine. I was. I actually have something real quick to add to this topic before I throw in what I was going to say before. Um, speaking of like production and creating content you actually enjoy, I ha- I've been creating a lot of content in more real time about the barn build. And it's a heck of a lot of work, but it's been so much fun to be able to produce those videos and show the aspect of that going up from my perspective of like what my day is like out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm having a lot more fun with the cinematography because it's all almost the entire video is all multi-cam. Uh-huh. So I'm having a lot more fun with showing different angles of the things happening and I can make things appear more smooth than they actually were because I can always cut to a different camera and jump time, which yeah. I I'm just, I feel like I'm actually like creating something for real now. I'm like, oh, I actually enjoy the video creation process more than I do when I'm in the shop making a piece of furniture. Right. Which is a very different way of doing it. And because I'm actually releasing them a lot of times, like the day after it happens, the audience is right there far more engaged and they're like asking questions. And then in the next episode, I can really answer the question and they don't have to wait a day for their answer. And I can show them right. as we're making it. So it's a different way of working. It's a lot more work because I have to edit them at night. That's all I do now is edit, but it's actually enjoyable. So anyway, that, that's, that's that side of things. Yeah. The other one thing I wanted to add from before which uh, I thought was kind of interesting too, is I think that the, I guess the business to business um, influencer to like company relationship thing has still has like somewhere to grow uh, a bit because I think the companies, especially the smaller ones are finally starting to like figure out that they should be doing something with this influencer marketing thing. They don't quite know what it is, but they Mm -hmm. feel like they just have to like, provide free tools. And um, we're still, at least for me, I'm still finding that when I, when I talk to these smaller companies that are really interesting, they're like almost shocked that they have to pay for it. Like they have to, some, there needs to be some kind of monetary thing behind it for me to work for them, which like, I don't know. I know people are taking them up on the free tools offer because I see their tools out there. And I'm like, well, okay. that's also what they use as an example for you. Why you should just do this other thing and not get paid I'm like, oh, because my. other people are doing it for but, them already. I mean, yeah, they're a business. They're like, I'm not like I'm talking to some guy in the street that has never done anything advertising related before. Yeah. I mean, it's they're a business. I'm a business. They're talking to a business. <laughs> like, I don't I I my don't favorite is when they're like, I'm understanding a disconnect. When they go, you know, we're really a small family run business. I'm like, what the hell do you think I am? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm my daughter. And I work 100% bat. 100%. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, look, I don't want to dwell on this any longer than we have to. Scott, I know this isn't what you wanted with the direction of the show, <laughs> this is but not I think what you wanted. What he you opened got the playbook. Anyway. Yeah, he kind of let us know what's going on. And I think what I want to say to Scott is that we we empathize with with your situation. We understand with the struggles you're going through. And I don't know that this helped you in any way, but I do <laughs> I do hope that you see that we don't do this that sort of element because it's like a love of the the social side of things, that we struggle with it too. And it's difficult to figure out exactly how that works into a business. And if you're not forced to go into the whole social side, maybe if you do have a woodworking business idea, maybe just focus on that. I don't think you need to worry about what the hand tool school does, you know, or what we do on wood talk. 
um, if that's what you want to do. I just, I don't want people to be deterred mm. from starting amazing woodworking businesses because they aren't good at social media. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know. That really upsets me when I think that that could be what's happening. Right. So, yeah. And if, if nothing you know. else, you could take up knitting. Cause I understand they we have put just you in touch as, with Margaret. Yeah. They have just as many problems with influencer marketing and social media over there too. So yeah. Okay. It's everywhere. Yeah. All right. I think we, uh, we ran that into the ground. Um, you know, learning about woodworking is important. If you want to start a business, you got to know how to do woodworking first and you can learn that at Rockler. Whoa. Did you guys know that? Look at that. Great transition. Yeah. Look at that. Very good. Well no. done. <laughs> well, if you're ready to learn more, about woodworking techniques, Rockler classes and demonstrations can be an exciting step in the right direction presented by members of Rockler's friendly and knowledgeable staff or special guests. These in-store sessions have something to offer woodworkers of all skill levels and experience levels. Topics range from wood turning to cabinet building to finishing techniques to working with a CNC and much, much more. Visit rockler.com to find a store near you and sign up. And if you're not by a store, check out their website for educational resources, including videos, articles, free step-by-step -step project plans as well. So go check it out at rockler.com. And if you're lucky, like if you go into the Portland, Maine Rockler store, they will have an elevator music version of The Cure playing over the uh, oh, really over the, the in-store speakers. And you can kind of get your nice. groove on as you're shopping. Yeah. Okie doke. Yeah, that was one of those, wow, I'm old moments. Like, I know this song, yeah. and it's in elevator form. Nice. <laughs> Good. All right. So All right, question time. Here's a question from Martin. He says, in a recent episode, he says last episode, I don't know what it was at this point, um, Shannon made a comment that straight edges don't belong in woodworking. Please expound on that. I also looked for stainless steel straight edges. A 48-inch goes for $595. 60 inches is a staggering $7,777. Wow. Whoa. Very nice. So uh, I should probably listen to that episode. Um, I think I did when Sounds I... Sounds like clickbait, Shannon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, I know the, the comment that I made is that I think there's way too much emphasis on things being perfectly dead straight because, well, if you're talking about lumber... You know, if you have a super, 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 super precise straight edge, it's going to tell you you're a thousandth of an inch out of flat. And then you flatten that board through whatever method to eliminate that, that deviation of a thousandth of an inch. Come back in like an hour and it's going to be back. You know, come back in a couple of days and it may be five thousandths of an inch. You know, so what does that straight edge really do for you? Um, the other thing is, is that I think that um, straight edges tend to... <laughs> How can I put this? Um, they, they, they make us tend toward overkill. Like I have this straight edge. So now I need to make everything I can hold it to as perfectly straight as that. And you're spending time flattening this section of a board. That's not a reference surface at all. Like it's, it's not going to mate against anything. So like I tell my Hinchel school students, it just has to be pretty, like just smooth plain that, you know, it doesn't have to be flat and, and having, the straight edge actually ends up making you do more work in the long run because you're, you're, I gotta, you know, use the straight edge. Oh my God, it's out of flat. And I also say like, if you have to ask if it's flat enough, it's probably flat enough. Like if you have to pull out your $7,000 straight edge in order to determine if it's out of flat. Yeah. So I'm sorry, that's not woodworking anymore. So there we yeah, go. It is. There is a bit of a danger with feeler gauges, calipers, those things entering the wood shop tend to cr almost create more problems than they solve. 
because you awareness of it means now you're going to chase it down. Yeah. And you might be there for a long time chasing that down. Yeah. It's like your, um, your little, uh, air quality filter. I finally bought one of those <laughs> things and it's become an obsession. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to yeah, know. No, totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's good to be informed, but sometimes it's a bit of a distraction. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Matt. Let's see. I want two things on the straight edge thing before I jump into mine. First of all, stainless steel is going to be a much harder material to machine and grind flat. So that one's going to be more expensive regardless. You would just probably just need a mild steel uh, straight edge. If you want to go to an actual straight edge, just don't, you know, keep take care of it. If you're looking at a 60 inch straight edge, that is $7,000. That's probably held to a much higher flatness standard or straightness standard than some other ones. That is going to be for an actual machinist trying to check a surface plate for flat. Right. That mm-hmm. You don't need that. That is so far beyond woodworking and the needs of a, wood, of a woodworker. You don't need that level of precision anyway. So that's, and if you're with that tool, you're probably in a temperature controlled room <laughs> with like yeah. one of those fancy <laughs> metrology rooms. So yeah. yeah, I think you're good. Don't please don't buy that. Nobody go buy that, please. <laughs> yeah, go well, I mean, if you need a steel straight edge or a longer straight edge, uh, the Veritas brand at Lee Valley, they've got up to 36 inches in steel. Uh, that's 109 bucks. And then yeah. if you want the longer ones, they got the aluminum ones. You don't necessarily need it to be steel. And they all come with their standard gradings of what their tolerances are. So you can take a look at that. But even like the basic, like the crappiest machinist style ones that have yeah. the worst tolerances, good enough for wood. Yep. By far. Which is Which interesting. why I like the aluminum ones too. It's interesting that you can buy straight. <laughs> See, there's a whole, there's a whole have and have not argument there too. Uh, you know, <laughs> my straight edge is straighter than yours. I can have true straightness. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, elite straightists. Elite straightists. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. You ready for mine? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh is, that's funny, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know why that's funny, but okay. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm just laughing at the elite straightest thing. All right, go ahead. Flapping oh, I got joke. a compressor turning on. Yeah, I'm the funniest right. guy. Yeah, I know you are. All right, this is from, from Corey. <laughs> I have a question about determining when to use plywood versus solidwood. Given the current price of plywood, local three-quarter inch plywood for walnut is $195 a sheet. It seems as though building with solidwood can be... It's the same price, essentially, if you have old stock. I'm renovating a house. I need to build some bookshelves for the office, a shaving cabinet in the bathroom, and some other storage slash furniture around the house. Obviously, plywood is more stable, but is there any other considerations when choosing materials for these types of projects? Very good question. So I think this is really cool because normally you're like, oh, plywood is generally going to be cheaper. But in this day and age, it's probably not as close to the case. Aha, case. Um, yeah, <laughs> good one. So if you start looking at like labor costs, if you want to look at it that way, then plywood is still going to be cheaper unless you're working with like really wider, like wide boards. You don't have to do a bunch of glue ups because that's kind of your advantage with going to plywood is you don't have to do a bunch of panel glue ups and deal with all of that, that, that mess. However, solid wood allows you to have a lot more flexibility in like the wood you're using, the grain. Like if you want some kind of weird stuff going on, like. I'm sorry, but I can't find walnut crotch plywood. Like they don't seem to make that. Like they don't understand. Like I would buy all of that up 
and just keep it forever. But mm-hmm. I got to make my own if I want it. You know how unstable so You have that a lot more be. flexibility with a solid wood That'd to be. do weird stuff like that. If you want to have sap wood or like weird sap wood in different places, you can get that with solid wood over plywood. The other thing is, if you look at it as like a purely utilitarian thing, like if you just want to make a rectilinear bookshelf, for instance, yeah, plywood is going to be just fine for that. But if you want to do uh, like a bookshelf that has some kind of curves or cutouts or things like that, you're going to have those um, plywood edges to deal with somehow. So you're going to be doing some kind of maybe curved edge banding or doing a really thick edge band that you can then saw into. So depending on your design, you might want to go to solid wood as well. And if you want to think about it too, like from a utilitarian standpoint, am I looking for something that's purely utilitarian or am I looking for something that's a little more, you know, artisanal and uh, craftsman-y, then maybe your solid wood will give you that too because you'd be looking at different kinds of joinery as well. Like you probably wouldn't want to just do some butt joints on some solid wood. You probably want to do something like finger joints or, or dovetails or something. You know, the construction methods are going to be different than like the dados and rabbits on plywood versus solid wood joinery on solid wood. So you have uh, either one's fine. I think they just come with a different like, I don't know, things. It's different. It's different. It's different, but do what you want. It's different workability. But if you're happy, do what you want. It is a weird time, though, to to be thinking about the material choice like that. It's it's always like, oh, is this cheaper to make it out of plywood? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff that plywood was just a no brainer for that. Now you got to be like, hmm, should is that really the best choice right now? Yeah, it's it's a crazy time. Well, and the worst part is, is the right. prices have gone up so that the crappy plywood is expensive. Um, and I think right. that was it. Is right. There was yeah. there was always somebody could look at it. I mean, plywood has always been expensive, depending on the grade. You know, there's always been $300 sheets. There's always been $195 sheets of walnut plywood. But you know, there were guys who could buy it for 65. Um, so now there is no option. And for those that actually do pony up the dough, they come away kind of dissatisfied because it's not a quality panel at, you know, a hundred bucks, 150 bucks that used to be 40 bucks. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's bad all over. Mm, sucks. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Family owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $49. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card. Very nice. We love those gift mm. cards. Uh, let's see. Questions. We like them. You send them in. We'll read them. We'll even talk about them. We'll even like mm-hmm. take your your criticisms and turn them into whole shows and then take your apologies <laughs> for your criticisms and turn that into a whole show. <laughs> We're so generous. <laughs> right. You know, so yeah, go to woodtalkshow.com. There's a form there you can fill out. You can email us at woodtalkshow at gmail.com. You can go on Instagram. We're we're there at Wood Talk Show. You can submit questions that way. Basically, if you want your 30 seconds of us criticizing you, send it in and we'll put it on the next show. Good stuff. Wonderful. 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 
All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.